0: Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. It's good seeing our tables being used by some of our students in the back. (laughs) Hey, uh, in regards to the 10% that we set aside, uh, this past week we were able to send some money over to Uganda Help Pastor Stanley. He is taking care of a bunch of children who have been orphaned through war and disease uh, over there, and so uh, we were able to send money to buy twelve sheets of tarpaulin. These are basically tarps that go on the inside of their um, the inside of the bamboo walls of their dormitories. Um, six metal sheets for uh, replacing the roof panels on top of the staff bathroom. Those had rusted out. Uh, Laundry and bathing basins. They also needed some solar security lights. And so we sent that to them. And then uh, a new round of flip-flops, because they go through flip-flops like nobody's business over there. Um, And then a uh, drum of diesel fuel for the dump truck that is actually their main transportation. Because if you think about it, if you have 120 kids, how do you drive them around? right? There's not a bus that holds 120, but you can get quite a few kids in the back of a dump truck. I've seen it happen. (laughs) I've seen it happen. So uh, thank you guys so much for your generosity. Again, it allows us to be generous to those people around the world. So thanks for that. Uh, And I just wanted to follow up on the Baptism Sunday announcement. So that's next Sunday. And I would encourage you Uh, First of all, if if you're curious about baptism, come to one of the classes. Um, You can find out about it you can kind of explore it. And if you're curious, you've been wondering about it, thinking maybe I should consider it, then you probably should at least come to a class, get more information, and then make the decision if you want to get baptized or not. Um, But as uh, the Lighthouse family, I want to encourage all of you to come next week. We're going to have some of those people getting baptized share their testimony, share their story, their faith walk. And it's really good for us to be here, to hear them. And then as they get baptized, it's really good to support them. So plan on coming, plan on staying for the, the big cookout afterwards. And uh, if you think you can beat me and Rose in cornhole, you can try that too, because that hasn't happened in years. It, it actually got canceled last time. But anyway, so, <laughs> but we didn't get beat, did we? No. We got rained out. See, there's a difference. We didn't get beat. So, anyway, so that you can sign up for the cornhole tournament out there on the Welcome Center. All right, to open up today's message. Watch this video. No, I'm not working with this guy. I've been there, done that. The minute he gets involved, you can kiss goodbye to any finesse because She Hulk here only knows how to smash. What are you gonna do now? Throw a bit of furniture. For your information, I was gonna take this chair and turn it sideways and. Shove it right down your throat. Of you are. Because that's your answer to everything. Smash your hole through every problem in a massive truck. But it's not going to work here. Uh, I think it'll work fine. Guys! Why don't you two take a seat, and we'll talk through this. So that's the Fast and Furious movie, Hobbs and Shaw. How many people have seen that movie? Quite a few of us. Um, Now, just a warning, fair warning, it took a lot of finesse to try to get a scene that didn't have a lot of language in it. Um, But it kind of gives you the the gist of the movie. The two main characters, we have lawman Luke Hobbs, who's Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and outcast Deckard Shaw. Jason Statham, and they don't really get along very well, right? They don't get along very well, uh, but they have to form this unlikely alliance to stop a cyber genetically enhanced villain who threatens to take over the world, right? So the only way that they are going to win and, and beat this villain is if they learn to get along. Those two had to learn to get along. But let's face it, in life, there are those people right? Hope, do you know any of those people? I mean, we all kind of know those people. It's just hard. Don't turn around and point at people, Hope. You can't do that. <laughs> We're just supposed to think about them. Just think about them. But there are those people that it's just hard to get along with. And when you don't get along, man, it's just it's just tough. So uh, when Rose and I got married, I brought two kids into the, the marriage. She brought three And uh, we almost had six to match the Brady Bunch, because we just thought that it was going to be peaceful, right? We all grew up watching the Brady Bunch, and we just thought it was all, everybody's going to just get along really, really well. They didn't always happen that way. There were some days when Rose and I would look at each other and say, why can't they just get along? We just hoped that they would get along. Now, for the most part, we've been really blessed. Our kids do get along today. They're all young adults. And um, they even have this this sibling chat that we're not part of. And I'm pretty sure they talk about us at times. And they laugh a lot. That's all I know is they laugh a lot when they're doing that that chat. So they get along today. But uh, I remember those days, we were just like, oh, we just want them to get on. And and isn't it true when people aren't getting along and you're in the room, it just feels like you feel the tension? I had a situation this week where I was in a meeting and we had staff and volunteers in the meeting. And I was talking to one of the staff members and And we weren't really getting along very well at that moment. We were disagreeing. And someone else, I remember that person was sitting at the table. And that person actually pushed back and said, oh, this feels really uncomfortable. (laughs) You know, they had that feeling. Because that's the way it works. And we just want to get along, right? And it's just better when we all get along. Now, the truth is, it's better for us if we have peace with others. But you know that it's actually better for our Heavenly Father when we have peace with one another? I mean, He he is represented as a father, you know, a parent. And if you're a parent and you've had kids that don't get along, you understand that feeling. Parents just want their children to get along. God does too. He wants us. We are His children. If we are followers of Jesus, He wants us all to get along with each other. Romans 12, 18 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you... Live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. And then Psalms 133, 1 says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Well, we've all been through the last 18 months, right? We know what it feels like to not get along with others. But God wants us to get along. So today's message, we're going to study a section of Scripture where I believe Jesus gives us a few keys on how we can get along well with those around us. So we're continuing our summer series titled, Counter Culture, The Sermon That Changed Everything. It's a study on chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew, where Jesus taught his very first sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And you can turn to Matthew chapter 5 if you would like. That's where we're going to be today. But last week, Pastor Matt taught a message titled, Oath Keeper, The Value of Keeping Our Promises. And if you missed that message, I would encourage you to go back and watch that. You can watch that online just off our website. But we're going to be starting with verse 21 today. And in this section of Scripture, Jesus starts right out with the counterculture statement. He says, you have heard that it was said. And what he's implying by that, he's implying that you have heard the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law. You've heard the, the preachers of this time say this about God's commandments. And then Jesus goes a little bit further and teaches a little bit more information about the commandments and kind of changes what the Pharisees and the Sadducees had taught. So we're going to start with verse 21. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and they remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge And the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. All right, so today's message is titled, Calm Waters, Settling the Relational Storms in Our Lives, because I don't know about you, but life is so much better when I don't have relational storms all over the place around me. And I think that God gave us a few tips on how we can do that. In our scripture. So I'll give you a couple of points, but first let me pray. Lord, we invite you to come into this message, into this room. Holy Spirit, come speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would take my words and that you would alter them to be your words, Father, and that they would penetrate our hearts and minds. And we thank you for your word that is true, and we thank you for sending your son Jesus to teach us here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so you can fill this in on your handout. Relational storms can be calmed when we, number one, eliminate the hate. Eliminate the hate. Let me go back and read verses 21 and 22. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. So in this section of Scripture, Jesus is teaching what the Pharisees taught. You know, they—they they had he's telling them what the Pharisees had taught, that if you murder, then you're going to be subject to judgment. And that comes from Leviticus chapter 24, verse 17, the Old Testament law. Anyone who takes the life of a human being is to be put to death. So if you murdered someone, if you killed someone, then you would be also killed as well. But what the Pharisees and the Sadducees didn't teach was the spirit of the law, the heart behind the law. They taught the letter of the law. In fact, I read one teaching on this section that said that raka, that word means you idiot, basically. It's it's a really harsh word. It means that you're empty-headed, I think is what they were saying. But that sp- specific word, if you said that, then you were punishable, all right? But if you said you fool, you were fine. You could hate somebody. You could be mad at somebody as long as you didn't kill them and as long as you didn't say this specific word because they took care of, they cared about external appearance. They cared about the letter of the law. As long as you did this, then you were fine. But you can hate somebody. You can be mad at somebody. You can can say all other kinds of names about them. Just, Just don't say this one. Jesus came and as he's teaching this, he's saying, guys, you've heard it said, it's you know, don't murder, but I'm telling you if you're angry at someone, that's wrong. And it doesn't matter exactly what word you use if you're saying this or that. If you're calling people names, it's wrong. He even says that you're in danger of the fires of hell. I mean, that's pretty severe. Jesus cares about our hearts. He cares about what's going on on the inside of us. Last week, Pastor Matt taught a section of scripture just before this, where Jesus said, if you commit adultery, that's a sin. You've heard that. But he said, if you commit adultery in your heart, that's a sin. Because it's not just about, I mean, God does care about what we do on the outside. Don't get me wrong but he cares about why we do what we do on the outside. He cares about what's going on on the insides of our hearts. If we have anger and hatred towards another person, it's going to sabotage our relationships with everyone. We can't have hate in one corner of our heart and expect to have love in another corner. It doesn't work that way. It's like light and dark. You either have light in a room or you have dark in a room. The two don't coexist in the same space. And so that's what happens in our hearts, is if we harbor hatred and anger and resentment and unforgiveness in our hearts, it's going to make its way out in how we treat other people. And it will sabotage our relationships. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus is teaching about how important our hearts are. And he says this, he says, What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. At that time, they were complaining that the disciples were eating unclean foods. And they're just saying, it's not what you eat that makes you unclean. It's not the outside action, it's your heart. And he goes on to explain in verse 17, Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And these make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony and slander. These are what make a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. See, our hearts matter. And when we harbor hatred or anger or resentment or unforgiveness in our hearts, this is what makes us unclean. Even if we act the part on the outside, because God knows our hearts. We can't fool him. We may be able to fool each other, right? We can go up to someone and smile at them and have hatred in our heart. And we may fool that person, but we're never going to fool God. So what I want to do right now is I want to take a moment and I want to pray and I want to ask God to do a little soul searching for us. Because sometimes we don't even know what's still left inside of our hearts. Or maybe we know, but we've just kind of tucked it back into a corner. And so if you're willing to participate with me on this, I'm going to ask you in just a moment to close your eyes. I'll pray. And then we're just going to sit here for a moment in silence and just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what's going on inside of our hearts. If there's any anger or bitterness or hatred or resentment that's still left in there, So let me pray. If you guys would, just close your eyes and I'll pray. God, we pray right now, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts right now. Holy Spirit, come. We give you permission to go through our hearts, to open up every room in our hearts and reveal what's on the inside. So speak to us now, Lord. Okay, you guys can open your eyes. So what God reveal? Did he show you some unresolved anger stuck back in a closet? Is there some leftover hatred alive and well down in the basement? Has there been some Unforgiveness that's just made a home in the attic of your heart. I did this exercise actually this week when I was working on the message and and God showed me that I was holding resentment towards someone who wasn't doing what I thought they should be doing. And I was actually holding resentment against that person. And so I was able to confess it back to God and and let him clean it up. Because guys, whatever God showed you, if there's some anger, some bitterness, some hatred, some discord, he doesn't want that. And you don't have to carry it either. Many times we hang on to that for a couple reasons. It's, sometimes it's because we think we're punishing them, right? We're gonna, We're going to hang on to this because I'm punishing them and so many times, they could care less how you feel about them, or they don't even know they're oblivious to it. And so the only person that's feeling that pain is you. You're not punishing them. And by the way, it's not our job to punish people, is it? It's God's job. Another reason that we we hang on to that anger and that bitterness is out of protection. We say, I'm going to hang on to this so I don't get hurt again. And if I let it go, then I'm going to have to allow myself to get hurt again. And that's just not the case. See, trust is earned. Right? You don't have to blindly give trust to another person. But forgiveness is expected. God expects us to forgive others. He expects us to do that, but we don't have to trust them again. You know, I mean, God doesn't say just blindly trust everyone around you and let your heart be broken again. He doesn't do that. So we can, I just want, this is for someone here, this service today. We can forgive others and still protect our hearts. Okay? We can still do that. And by the way, if you want to talk to someone about what God revealed to you, I would encourage you to come up after service. Um, we have a prayer team that would love to to sit down and talk to you and pray with you. We also have a healing prayer team that will spend more time with you than we have here on a Sunday um, and sit down and, and pray and walk through things. There is healing that is found when we let go of these things. Man. And, and you can release that heaviness Here's your feeling. We make room for peace when we clean out our emotional closets. And it is. It's kind of up to us whether or not we're going to open up that closet door and let God have his way or not. But I will tell you, I've had to walk through a lot of uh, hurt and pain in my life. And uh, it's always better (laughs) for me. It's always better when I let it go when I let God in, when I let him clean out my closets. That's your first point. Relational storms can be calmed when we eliminate the hate. I'm going to go through these other two rather quickly. Relational storms can be calmed when we move first. First when we move first. Therefore, this is verse 23, if you are offering your gift at the altar and they remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Jesus is saying in this, I, I, I want to put it in the context of where he is at. So this is in Jerusalem. He is talking about bringing a sacrifice to the altar To the temple in Jerusalem. Now, what that would mean many times is that they would come out of town. Maybe they just lived a couple miles outside of town, but maybe they lived 10, 20, 30 miles and they traveled by foot or by horseback or whatever. But they would make this travel, I mean, they make this trip into Jerusalem. They would go and spend money and, and buy some type of sacrifice. They would probably wait in line for hours to get up to the front of the line. And Jesus says, when you get there, you're getting ready to offer your sacrifice. And God reminds you that there's some type of problem between you and another person. Leave your gift and go be reconciled to them. That usually doesn't mean turn around and talk to the person behind you. I mean, Jesus is saying, I don't care what it takes. Leave. If you have to go out of town, if you have to go back to your home city, go be reconciled. Have a pure conscience at that point and then come and offer your sacrifice to God. It was costly. What Jesus was saying was costly. But he was valuing our hearts. He was valuing our relationships much more than our sacrifice. Hosea 6.6 says, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice. An acknowledgment of God rather than burnt offerings. He wants us to have mercy for one another. To obey his commandments is much more important to him than our sacrifices. Now, one of the things that's pretty interesting in verse 23, it says, I'm sorry, yeah, verse 23. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, So it's not even saying that if you have something against them, he's saying if there's any type of problem between you and somebody else, if they're the ones that have the problem, you need to go to them and try to be reconciled. Now that's counterculture today. That was counterculture then. You know, today we say, you do you, I'll do me. If you have a problem with me, that's your problem, not my problem. That's you figure that out. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. If someone has a problem with you, that's your problem. So as much as it depends on you, live at peace with one another. Jesus is saying, go. Try to be reconciled with them. It doesn't matter why there's a problem. You make the first move. You go to them. You go and be reconciled to them. Now, this is difficult But have you ever been at odds with somebody, and then they show up at the same place you're at? You know, like you're at the same restaurant, and you're like, oh, there's so-and-so. Let's go to another restaurant, right? I mean, or, you know, you go to church. You ever been there, and you're at odds with someone at church, and you're like, Oh man, what service do they go to? Because I don't want to go to that service. You know, you try to go to a different service, and it's really a problem when you're at odds with the pastor because he's at both services. <laughs> it's a problem. But I'll tell you, I, I've been there. You know, I, I've gone to church most of my life, and there I haven't always gotten along with everyone, even in the church. And there's been those times when I'm like, oh, I just don't want to see that person. But when we were reconciled, sometimes they came to me, sometimes I went to them. I'll tell you, it was so nice. It's so nice. I mean, I can come to church today and I'm like, I like you all. I don't know if you all like me, but I like you all, you know? And I I don't worry about who's coming in the door. It's nice to have that clean slate. But it's up to us. If we want that clean slate, and God does want that for us, many, many times we have to be the ones to make the first move. We have to. So let's move first. Last point, relational storms can be calmed when we move fast. I mean, these two just go together. Move first, move quickly. Verse 25 says, Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way. Jesus is saying that timing matters. I mean, you know, when we, when we don't get resolution and we have this anger and bitterness in our heart, do you know that it doesn't like over time just dissipate and go away? I mean, they do say time heals all wounds, but when it's anger and hatred, that has a way of festering. It actually just kind of gets worse over time, and it starts to take over corners of our heart. It's not abnormal for me to be at a funeral uh, many times I've officiated a funeral where I'm talking to the family members and they say, hey, there's there's cousin Phil. We haven't seen him in 25 years. I'm like, you haven't seen him? No. He got into an argument with my other cousin and then they yelled at each other and called each other names or something. And, and uh, they haven't talked to each other in 25 years. Weeks can turn into months that can turn into years. And that's just the anger and bitterness just festering inside and that uncomfortableness of family members and friends and coworkers. Guys, we we have to move first, but we need to move fast. We need to move fast. We need to take care of things right away. Don't let it sit for long periods of time. Now, sometimes we may not even realize that there's something going on, that we, we have some type of conflict or we're upset with someone or maybe somebody's upset with us. But the psalmist King David gave us a little tip on how to handle that. He said in chapter 4 of Psalms, verse 4, he says, In your anger do not sin. When you are on your bed, search your hearts and be silent. It's just a little tip. And I would just encourage you guys, at night, before you go to bed, maybe turn off the TV before you fall asleep, Um, but lay there and have a conversation with God and say, how's my heart? How am I doing? Is there some unresolved anger or bitterness, unforgiveness? Or is there someone that I offended that I need to make restitution on? In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul actually quotes that or that psalm. He says, in your anger do not sin. Then he goes on to say, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. And I would just encourage you, don't go to sleep in your anger. Rose and I have prayed with a lot of people who have dealt with depression and anxiety. They've dealt with Even physical symptoms, headaches, and um, eating disorders, things like that. And as we've prayed with them, many times it goes back to a root of bitterness and unforgiveness. There was a point in time when they went to bed in their anger, and they woke up in their anger, and they went through the day in their anger, and they went to bed again in their anger. And that developed this root, this foothold that the devil got a hold of. Because he can grab a hold of that and he can make his way into our hearts and, and affect us if we don't forgive those around us. We've seen it. So you don't want to give the devil a foothold. You don't have to be angry at someone to protect your heart. In fact, that does just the opposite. It poisons your heart. It poisons your heart. So here's your last fill-in. The right day to deal with a conflict is today. Not Monday, not Tuesday, not Wednesday. It's today. It's it's today. So relational storms can be calmed. When we eliminate the hate, move first, and we move fast. I'm going to invite Will to come up here. He's going to lead us in a closing song, and then I'll come back up and lead us in a a time of prayer. But let's all stand. Let me pray. So God, we, we thank you for your word that is true, that is challenging and sometimes convicting, but it's always for our good. It's always for your good. It's always for the good of those around us. So, Lord, as we sing this song, I pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to speak to our hearts and our minds in Jesus' name.